0: Hi, and welcome to the second episode of our Connecticut podcast. I'm here with my co-producer, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, how's it going, Daniel? And today we have special guest star, Pat Patterson from StreamSets. Hey, Pat. Hi, everyone. And Pat, before we dive in and do a little intro on you, everyone has been waiting for a couple of weeks to find out what the name of this podcast is. And they actually probably know because they went to the blog and actually read it there and uh, dove in. But uh, we actually have an official name, Telekinesis, Data to Data Conversations.
1: Awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We we think so too.
0: Yes, it took us, Mark and I have pretty much been spending maybe 24 seven for the last two weeks just thinking about the name of the podcast. Yeah, brainstorming all day. Yes, we've been using
1: GPUs. You said you spent 24 seconds on figuring that out? (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Twenty four seconds uh, might so, be more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pat, if I could do a little intro for you, Pat Patterson is a, a guy I've known for a long time, back from the days of Sun Microsystems. Did wonderful things at Salesforce as a, a developer evangelist slash champion, and is now at StreamSets as the developer champion there, doing awesome things as well. Welcome, 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 Pat. So happy to have you. Thank you, Daniel. So uh, did did I do you justice? Does that cover kind of uh what you're focusing on these days at StreamSets?
1: Yeah, um my title is uh, actually Community Champion and it's really reflecting the fact that um this technology is not just for developers, it's for data scientists, data engineers, anybody that's wanting to move data from one place to another and a lot of times you can do it without even, you know, writing code.
0: Yep. So when you talk about your role at StreamSets as a a community champion, are you trying to find ways to convey kind of the core concepts of what you guys do and creative ways of demonstrating it and playing with the technology and integrating it and things like that?
1: Yeah, that's essentially been my role over the past two years is to um, act as essentially a bridge between uh, the product team, the engineering team, and our open source community. So, I'm the I'm the guy who builds demos writes blog posts tweets shows up at the conferences um you know I I, I typically well in the past at Salesforce I got to write you know a screen full of code and write a blog entry about it and then walk away um which is a a luxury for uh, any developer not having to support your code but actually at uh, Streamsets I've written the Salesforce integration So, you know, no piece of uh, knowledge goes unpunished at a startup. And so I am actually, uh, you know, I have my hands in the code a little bit more. But having said that, um, uh, as the company grows and matures, I'm starting to talk more about um, benefits rather than features and solutions rather than technologies, as as we're naturally kind of talking to bigger and bigger customers. So it's an interesting role. It's uh, a changing role, but it's always uh, one foot in the technology, and then one foot in uh, communicating that to uh, our audience.
0: So, so maybe uh, there's so many things I want to ask you about. Because uh, on the one hand, I, I want to know all about stream sets, and on the other hand, I'm really fascinated by the whole piece of community champion. And I know you've been doing that role for a long time, and doing creative things to kind of uh, um, educate people on different technologies. And I, I just think. It's such an interesting area that I'd love to dig in there as well. But maybe we start with stream sets, and uh, you know, tell us, give give me the little bit of download. How long has the company been around? What's the whole uh, objective of the company? Why why does it exist?
1: Right. So uh, I think we were founded. Gosh, I think about three and a half years ago now, maybe even four. The company, you know, is is common with startups. The company was in stealth mode for about a year, and um, around about uh, late 2015 uh they released their first product uh Streamsets data collector so just to give you a bit of context um Streamsets was founded by uh two guys Girish Pancha who's now the CEO and my boss Arvind Prabhakar who was actually an engineer on um access manager OpenSSO back at Sun wow uh, that's that's that connection yeah. um, i think it's a legal obligation that, that you know, 30% of the Bay Area has to have worked at some microsystems in the past. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Arvind uh, uh, is now CTO, and they were, uh, Girish was at Informatica, Arvind was at Informatica and then Cloudera, and what they realized is that, um, you know, the old world of ETL, the, you know, building some batch job to read data out of Oracle, usually, and move it to somewhere else, uh, was really breaking down in this world of uh, continuous streaming and also big data. So, you know, Arvind was at uh, Cloudera, you the Hadoop vendor, um, very, very different world from, uh, you know, your, your old enterprise database world. And, you know, just this idea of continuous uh, data arrival, because we all want to be uh, working on the very latest data. You, you know, if you were given the choice between working on data up to five minutes ago and data up to yesterday, what are you gonna choose? So they founded uh, StreamSets, let me think now, it would probably be fall 2014, and then Arvind started talking to me at the beginning of 2016, and I came on uh, that March as community champion. And um, uh, over time, we have, built our customer base. So we've got great customers now like uh, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, Western Union, um, you know, big customers across like every industry, healthcare, insurance, financial. Uh, We've got a great customer called Cox Automotive who nobody's ever heard of, but they're the parent company for um, Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader. So if you've bought or sold a car, you'll recognize those names. And we've also built out the the product line. So from this core of the the data collector, a way to build these data pipelines, um, which is incidentally Apache 2 licensed open source, we've built out uh, a kind of control layer, StreamSets Control Hub gives you a repository for your pipelines, lets you uh, control and monitor your your, uh, data collectors running those pipelines uh, we've built a data flow performance manager which gives you uh, stats and metrics on data flow across your organization so lets you set an SLA maybe you've got um you want it to be a maximum of 2 minutes before data is recorded at its source and it arriving in the destination for analysis so you can you can set all that kind of stuff up and we've now got uh, data collector edge which is another open source uh project to um allow you to deploy these pipelines into constrained devices. So uh, it's divide. you know, we're talking about the IoT, we're talking about um, uh, ARM-based systems, uh, Raspberry Pi class devices. So you can put a pipeline right there, right on the edge, and start gathering, filtering data and passing it up to uh, the core for more processing. So really we, we, our mission is to build this uh, data operations platform give you a way to um, get a handle on all the data that's in motion in your enterprise
0: so totally get the technology sounds really really cool what are some of the coolest um, business applications of this that you're seeing like what what are, as a community guy you must see some really cool stories where you know if, if I was talking to uh, you know my dad and I wanted to, to right. kind of the impact of stream sets. What are some of the business cases that you're seeing?
1: So um, one of the one of the most interesting and um, that the easiest to explain is Cox Automotive. Mm-hmm. So they have, I think it's about thirty subsidiary companies, and like I said, Kelly Blue Book, Auto Trader are the best known, and they have a whole bunch of others that are, you know, more special purpose for. Dealer networks and checking on VINs, the vehicle identification number, and so on. And you can imagine across that group, there are many, many opportunities for analysing the data if you can join it all together. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it's all it's all spread out, you know, across Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader and so on. And if you can bring that together, you can get a picture of the market for. I don't know, 2012 Camrys or, or whatever whatever it is you're interested in, because it's all automotive data. Mm-hmm. And Cox were struggling with this. They had um, what they called uh, it was it a, a source of anguish and sorrow? Uh, the situation was that um, they had point to point integrations between different uh, different subsidiaries. So. Auto Trader wanted Kelly Blue Book's data, so they would just set up a point to point synchronization. And then Vin Solutions wanted some of that data, so they would set up and start getting Auto Trader's data from Kelly Blue Book mm-hmm. because it was already there in kind of the format they wanted. Who knows if it was filtered or changed in some way, but they were getting the data they kind of thought they wanted. And they had a lot of ad hoc integrations, a lot of hand coded solutions that were very, very brittle. So upstream database administrator adds new fields to a table maybe you're recording um, uh, latitude and longitude for addresses whatever and downstream integrations either uh, break which is actually um, on a good day they break and you find out about it on a bad day things seem to keep working but the new data isn't being brought across and your analysts two weeks later say where the heck's this data? I, I we put it started putting it in the system two weeks ago. I see no data for analysis, yeah, and this yeah. is the situation they were in. And they had this idea: okay, let's build a data lake. So a data lake is somewhere you can bring all this together into uh, one platform for for analysis. And so there's a there's a long story of their procurement process, but they ended up uh, uh, coming on board with stream sets and Their situation now is they have pipelines running in each of their subsidiaries that gather all the data. And we're talking about, um, say at AutoTrader, one of their Oracle schemas has 1500 tables. And they're literally pulling everything out of those uh, on an ongoing basis, attaching some uh, standard metadata. So each record that kind of comes up the pipe says, when it was ingested, where it was ingested from, you know, what table, whatever, uh, and a number of other standard fields. But then each record is can be different depending on where it's come from. So you, you can imagine, automobile record has VIN number, manufacturer, color, whatever. Um, a sale record maybe has the price um, and the location. And it's but it's all flowing through the same pipelines to a, a central system that is putting it into Hive. Uh, the, that's the technology they happen to be using. And uh, the really cool thing about this is that, you, you know, I, I talked about those changes that can happen upstream, we call that data drift. Mm-hmm. So the structure or the semantics of the data can just change over time. Just sometimes it's because you've upgraded something, sometimes it's just changing business requirements. But, um, you know, the data flying through the system is uh, is constant, constantly like changing and part of their central pipeline looks at the structure of each record as it's coming in looks at the hive schema and then reconciles the two so it'd actually create hive tables or alter hive tables on the fly as the data is arriving so what used to be a real problem and you know they would spend 4 hours figuring out okay this this piece of data is being i know it's being created over here it's not arriving over here somebody would have to go down and diagnose it change some hand-coded script or app to handle it, now it just flows um, all day long.
0: Yeah, no, that's super cool. I mean, I, I think you're hitting on a, a problem that I feel like is cutting across so many industries where, you know, whether it's a bank or a retail organization or, uh, you know, the realm of healthcare, you know, the, the, the past, everything had been so siloed and, and um, segmented. And now people are realizing that you need to create this 360 view of the data, which is pulling attributes from all across that business so that you can actually extract greater business value. And if you do that, that can actually drive some compelling point of differentiation for you. Right. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I guess it's only going to get worse as more and more things come online.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what we're seeing is data is never being created in in the place it needs to be analyzed right it just never happens so we're seeing um you know date, the, the kind of data that cox are dealing with is transactions from uh you know traditional databases we're seeing uh, web server logs firewall logs for uh cybersecurity analysis um we're seeing uh, financial logs for fraud detection uh, and then there's the whole world of the internet of things where you're bringing in sensor data and the just the volume and the uh, velocity of data is is constantly uh, increasing you know they you talk about the v's in um, in big data was it volume velocity uh, variety and veracity you know all all of those are challenges that, uh, that we we're, we're helping to manage
0: yeah that's i, I was going to say it kind of ties nicely into how we're thinking about the world because we see this world of streaming data becoming more and more um, critical. And our whole piece of uh, taking you out of the serial universe to a parallel universe where you can do parallel processing and actually analyze that data as you're ingesting it as opposed to separate steps is uh, really critical for getting that data recency and the, the insights to be Tied to that data recency, the the quicker you can actually shorten that bandwidth, um, the more value people can get from it.
1: Right, and and you know what we've seen is this urgency. The, the you're describing like this urgency for for the insights that analysis can provide. Uh, I mean, we you've got uh, descriptive analytics, which is like where are we now, what's been happening, and then predictive analytics, which is okay, where are things going to go? You know, how can we project this out into the future? And then what's really interesting now is people are talking, starting to talk about prescriptive analytics. How do we change the future to be the one that we want? How mm-hmm. do we analyze uh, a customer's past behavior and put offers in front of them to drive their future behavior? So the, the simple example of that is uh, you know, the analysis that, that, that Amazon does. People who bought that also bought this. You're wanting, you're using that analysis of the past situation to drive future behavior, and you you need to have uh, up to the minute data to do that. You know, you need to you need to have literally what the user put in their shopping cart five seconds ago, uh, as well as their purchase history going back to be able to kind of push the push the products in front of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey Pat. So, kind of staying on this uh, uh, topic of you know the high velocity data, I was hoping you might be able to provide some clarification around the Kafka support uh, from StreamSets. Kind yeah, of just, yeah. So,
1: um, Kafka is uh, a product that is in use. I don't know about uh, I don't know about percentage, but it's widely used amongst our customer base. And Kafka is a great way of getting data from one place to another. Okay, uh, Kafka's a great pipe. Uh, it's a great way of buffering data, so uh I mentioned Cox Automotive. Kafka is what they use in their central uh data center like their headquarters data center where the data is situated, in order to buffer the incoming data to smooth out the peaks and troughs so they're not going to drop anything uh on the floor and really that we we can consume data from Kafka we can uh Produce data into a, a Kafka topic, and uh, yeah, I'd say it's probably one of the most widely used uh, connectors on on stream sets.
0: So, would, would the difference be then that it is a pipeline?
1: Certainly. Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, certainly, we see it as a pipeline for connecting systems, and we can do cool stuff like uh, you know, you can have uh, Kafka partitions. So basically, it's essentially like n parallel pipelines within a topic uh, for handling scale. And we can scale out with those. So we can deploy on to, uh, Spark streaming, ingesting uh, data from Kafka with as many pipeline instances as you have uh, Kafka partitions. Yep. That's, 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 like, um, that's actually a good example of the way that we, that StreamSets has been built in, in the world of big data. You know, we we can run native on Spark Streaming. We can run as a Hadoop application, reading data out of uh, out of your Hadoop file system, distributed across the cluster. Cool. So uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool, um, you know, being able to to run in these different these different modes.
0: It does make me wonder. It kind of comes back to that uh, community champion role um, mm-hmm. from the perspective of when you think about the realm of big data. Big data is not the big new thing anymore, right? It's been around for, for a while. A yeah. Infrastructure in there, and honestly, the word spaghetti that people have to parse through to figure out where you fit in the world is so right. hard. So as, as like a community champion, I would imagine one of the big things you have to do is figure out how do you make your technology stand out from all yeah. the things people are gonna think it is when it's not.
1: Right, and the answer is Minecraft. Oh, ah yeah. that was my next question <laughs> yeah.
2: where did you come up with the minecraft idea that yeah. demo is Maybe so, so
1: it goes back um it it actually goes back to my time at salesforce when i originally did this and in like a salesforce chat channel uh one of our community members i think it was uh brian Kwong, the salesforce wizard we were you just chatting about stuff and what are you doing this weekend? I think I was working with my kids on making a Minecraft mod. And he's like, it'd be great if you could see Salesforce in Minecraft. And I got thinking about that and I got thinking about Neuromancer, the old um, William Gibson cyberpunk novel, you know, rep- and, and Snow Crash as well, representing like the real world in the virtual world and, and so on. And I thought, you know, I could create a Minecraft dimension, so like a Minecraft world where every account in Salesforce is a building. And every opportunity, every deal that you've got in progress with that that customer, that account is a floor. And then there are levers on the walls for uh, the opportunity state. So prospecting, negotiating, uh, closed one, so you can like, the lever shows you the state and also gives, gives you the ability to pull it. And so I implemented this just like literally on a Friday afternoon, just on a whim, and I got something working and played with it with my kids. And uh, I showed it to my boss and I showed him like, okay, if I close the opportunity in Salesforce, in the traditional web interface, I see the lever flip. And then a villager appears, who's like one of your Salesforce contacts and drops you gold and gems to the value of that opportunity. And my boss was like, I, I was like prepared for, what are you doing wasting on your, your time on this path? And my boss was like, This is the best thing ever. Tidy this up, write a blog post, make a video for YouTube. Let's get this out because this is awesome. You can really see the power of APIs. You know, if Minecraft can talk to Salesforce, anything can talk to Salesforce. And I ended up, um, I did a Dreamforce session, uh, but I also presented it at uh, a Salesforce executive uh, summit in Vegas to a room of 700, salesforce vps and uh uh directors uh of course with mark benioff there uh it's a it's a scary experience presenting at one of those because benioff has a mic all the time and he will just interject so i was basically driving the demo for my vp and uh you know my vp wraps up his session on state of the platform kind of thing and says well You know, that's great. Thanks, Pat. I'm not sure this is something we'd want to show the CIO. And Benioff leans forward and says, "Uh, actually, Mike, every CIO should see this. So (laughs) uh, I was just like, you and um, we actually it's actually linked the uh, it's funny. That video is just still on my personal YouTube, but it's linked from the Salesforce trailhead uh, API training or something like that. So it's got over 100,000 views. It's crazy. But anyway, so that was the origin of the Minecraft thing. And then when I arrived at uh, uh, StreamSets, um, we wanted like some fun ways to, to like uh, visualize data. And I did one where you were looking at Apache log data and I had a map of the world and I had blocks dropping on over yeah. time doing the, revert, the doing the IP lookup IP address to latitude, longitude. And so you'd almost get like a, two-dimensional histogram of the world with piles of blocks where you had the most requests and then our marketing uh, guy uh rick billado heard about this and he said hmm could you do something with star wars because may the fourth is coming up you know star wars day may the fourth be with you and uh, what can we do can we look you know how about looking at twitter for mentions of different characters so um i built a pipeline to read the Twitter stream on like hashtag Star Wars and then parse out different character names. So I picked eight characters and I made it so that, okay, like simple regular expressions to say if, okay, if it says Vader, Darth Vader, uh, whatever, um, put a tick in the Vader box. If it says uh, Han or Han Solo or Solo, put a tick in the Han Solo box, so on. And then, uh, so I collected two weeks of tweets and then built a little system where I could read off uh those mentions and build the character's portraits in a Minecraft world where it was like a map of Tatooine. Have you seen this, Daniel?
0: I did. I, I watched the video, it's pretty neat. Oh
1: right, yeah. It's good. So Google Google stream sets Star Wars Minecraft, something like that.
2: Put it and, in the and yeah, yeah, we'll put links to all these in a our-
1: and It's a funny thing. I got. I have the best job in the world. I tell you, I, I I ran this thing and then narrated it like a horse race, like who was going to win, whose portrait was going to get built the fastest, mm-hmm. and and really that's what a community champion is. It's all about making it fun, and engaging, and bringing the content to people, just in a way that uh, is eye catching, but the depth is there to to be able to say. I made this just to show what's possible. Here are the bits and pieces, here are the ingredients, so you can make this but apply it to your situation. Because really nobody's gonna do that, right? Nobody's gonna build stuff in Minecraft based on uh, on a Twitter feed. But they could be doing sentiment analysis for their brand where they're wanting to uh, pick up the Twitter stream on, you know, hashtag Kinetica, and say okay well you know what are people mentioning are they mentioning this or that you know we want to uh send an alert when somebody says problem you know that kind of stuff is it's only a short jump away from uh what i was doing there
0: yeah no it's it's incredible i mean i, I love that stuff and i i love the creativity involved in that type of role to, to evangelize and get people to love all the disruption and transformation
2: that we're all working on i think yeah, Oh, sorry. I I was gonna say. I think it's also important to note that uh, Pat is uh, wearing his Star Wars shirt
1: today. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: For our listeners, have to point that out.
1: So, the the benefit of working at home, you can just grab the first T-shirt in the drawer.
0: So, I I got to know. This is on a a personal note. Are are you still addicted to running?
1: I am. Yeah, I ran my. So I ran twelve hundred miles last year. I ran my first uh, full marathon at Lake Tahoe in October, and I'll be running my first ultra this May uh, in Quicksilver Almaden Quicksilver Park near where I live in San Jose.
0: So if I'm I'm still working on my marketing budget and I want to make sure to get the Connecticut brand out there, you might be willing to uh, wear some Connecticut clothing as you run. Well,
1: you know, we already have a Streamsets running team that we uh, compete in the J.P. Morgan Corporate Chase in San Francisco. So you know, we already—I already actually have a StreamSets branded running shirt. So you need to get in line, Daniel. <laughs> so,
0: so if people want to find out about the Connecticut um, mm-hmm. connector that you guys have, how do they start yeah. around or or uh, what's the way to try StreamSets?
1: Okay, so say you're a Kinetica user um, and you want to, you know, you want an, an easy way of getting data into into that database. What I would recommend is uh, go to StreamSets.com. Uh, you can go to uh, our open source page, which is StreamSets.com open source, and you can download uh, the StreamSets runtime. You don't need to build it from source or anything like that. You just download the tarball, run it on Linux or Mac, and um, that gives you uh, the basic interface. I would highly recommend working through our tutorial. It's there in the documentation, and that lets you pick up CSV files from disk, apply some basic transformations on them. So there's credit card data in there, and you write a little bit of script to um, figure out the credit card issuer, Visa, Mastercard, or whatever, from the credit card number. Then mask the credit card number, and then just you know put the CSV files it on disk. Um, see, it's a very simple example, but it gives you that that idea of how the system works, how you can build these pipelines graphically by just dragging boxes around and connecting them with lines, and then you can go into our uh, package manager, download the Kinetica connector, and then instead of sending the output to, you know, just file on disk, you could create a table in Kinetica um, out of band, you know, just manually, uh, but then uh, drop in the Kinetica destination and start writing that that data into Kinetica, you know, as a first uh, tutorial kind of thing, and, uh, you should you should see I think the test data set's five thousand rows it's not huge, but you should see the data arriving there, and that'll give you a feel for how it fits together and um, you know as on the uh, on the origin side you know obviously uh, you know you can pull c s. v. files from disk but you could be pulling data from s three Kafka other message queues um you can listen to uh, Oracle. You can you can either run incremental queries. You can run uh, you can do change data capture against Oracle Log The variety of uh, data sources we uh, we support is uh, almost endless.
0: Yeah, that's that's very very cool. Well, my friend, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And um, I think we have any zinger questions for him.
2: So I have one. I did. I got a specific. Question request from one of our um, services, uh, one of our services engineers, and he was curious. He said, "Ask ask him this: How can stream sets provide a performance standard way to move data from HDFS
1: into Connecticut? HDFS into Connecticut. That's a r- great example. So, another of our customers is the Australian Department of Defence. We know nothing about their use case, literally." They file a ticket and they say, it's going wrong. And uh, we say, well, what, what, what are you processing? What data are you working with? And they say, we can't tell you, but it's going wrong. And anyway, one of the things they're actually very open with is technologies they're using and the performance they're seeing from them. And in our public Slack channel, uh, one of their guys was answering a question about pulling data from HDFS. And he said, well, we had this data set. It was 2 billion rows in HDFS. Hadoop distributed file system. And uh, I built a pipeline to pull the data, uh, derive some new fields from existing fields. So, uh, you know, calculate some expressions, run some Python against each record to do some more complicated processing, assign a UUID to each record, and then write it to a database. The one they happened to be using was uh, Apache Kudu. And uh, he said, it took 90 minutes to ingest 2 billion rows from uh, HDFS. And and that's because when you run your pipeline uh, on Hadoop, it actually runs on every data node. You know, you get this data locality thing. So uh, instead of like one pipeline, like reading data across like one connection out of HDFS, you've actually got N pipelines where N is your number of data nodes. Don't know how many data nodes Australian Department of Defense has in their Hadoop cluster. I, they'd probably send uh, Crocodile Dundee after me if I told you. Um, but, but they, you know, you get this massive parallel parallelism and uh, this guy was uh, just, um, you know, hopping from foot to foot with excitement as he was typing this into Slack, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: so basic gist, stream sets can actually take things from HDFS and as long as you have that hook, Um, To stream sets you can send that data anywhere. It could be to Connecticut.
2: It could be to something else
1: Right. Yeah, you could be Literally literally anywhere.
2: Yep. I'll go ahead. I'm gonna be in Australia at the end of the month for the Gardner Data and Analytics uh, Conference, so I'll go ahead and find some uh, Australian defense employees and dig into that
1: (laughs) They'll they'll know that you're coming
2: (laughs) Well, Pat
0: as a as always always enjoy hearing you uh share your little vignettes on uh work and life so appreciate you taking the time to to guest star in telekinesis data to data conversations
1: it's been a pleasure
0: thank you very much sir
1: all right cheers guys